This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. Hello, I'm Mike Davis, and welcome to the Great Heroes of Israel collection of the Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. I'm your host for this and all of the episodes in this series. If you've listened to any of the others, then you may remember that these stories are based on my deranged thoughts regarding certain readings from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. This episode continues a collection of stories about some of the great heroes of ancient Israel like Abraham, Moses, and David, and it shares some of my thoughts about what their spiritual experiences may have been like. Please be reminded that these stories in no way claim divine inspiration or historical validity, nor do they seek to demean the writings in the Bible. I hope that you enjoy them, and thanks for listening. The Great Heroes of Israel Collection, number three. This particular story is based on chapter three in the Hebrew book of Exodus. In it, a guy named Moses experiences a very unusual visit from God and a rather persuasive invitation to become the leader, hero, and deliverer of the Jewish people from their bondage in Egypt, as well as their guide through the wilderness to the Promised Land. Here is my deranged thought. Of all the great leaders and heroes of Israel, Moses is probably the most important. He's the lawgiver, the liberator and deliverer of the Hebrew people in bondage. He is a prophet and a miracle worker. He's the only person who has ever seen God directly and lived. He's the greatest leader Israel has ever known, and the list goes on and on. All of that being the case, I have to wonder why Moses was picked and how he became such a great leader. In fact, I wonder how God chooses any of the leaders, prophets, and other people who do such heroic and great deeds for the benefit of the world. Is there a training program, an internship, or a form that you fill out to apply for the job? Just what kind of criteria does God look for in a leader? Chapter 3 Moses, the Reluctant Deliverer It was about 4.30 in the afternoon and Moses was just getting ready to get off the shepherd day shift at the Midian Sheep Ranch. It wasn't exactly his dream job or even a career aspiration. In fact, he used to have a management job back in Egypt, but there were some personnel issues that came up and his relationship with the boss went south in a major way. So Moses decided to leave Egypt and start fresh in a different place where he didn't have any negative history. So he wound up in Midian, where being a sheep ranch hand was about the best job anybody could expect or hope for. Now, it had been one of those long days on the sheep ranch. You know, the kind when the sheep just seemed to wander off and they were surly and hard to manage? You may not realize it, but sheep can be very difficult sometimes. Moses was glad it was almost quitting time. He was looking forward to his dinner, a tall cold beer, and a relaxing evening. He was about halfway down the hill on his way to punch out, when he noticed a bush that was on fire. Being a responsible person, concerned about the environment, and a one-time Egyptian Boy Scout, Moses grabbed his Anubis the Bear shovel and headed toward the bush to preserve the natural beauty of the forest 
by beating out the brush fire before it spread. He was about halfway to the bush with the shovel raised above his head, when a voice spoke to him, saying, Moses! Moses! Moses stopped and looked around for a minute. He didn't see anyone, so he started toward the bush again. The voice spoke again. Hey, Moses! What? What? said Moses. Hold it right there, said the voice. Put down that shovel and take off your shoes. It's not polite to dig or make sneaker marks on holy ground. Moses said, What holy ground? Why should I? Just who do you think you are anyway? You can't go around lighting fires all over the place. I've got a good mind to report you to the sheep police for arson. This time, the voice spoke in a not-too-pleasant tone. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I'm the head banana, the big cheese, and if you don't change your attitude pretty quickly, you'll be beating out the seat of your pants with that shovel. Capiche? And Moses said, Oh, my God! To which God responded, That's right. So Moses dropped the shovel and ripped off his Nikes. And God said, I guess you're wondering why I did the whole burning bush bit and called you over here. Uh, of course you are. So, let's get right to it. You see, Moses, my people Israel complain and moan and kvetch a lot. I used to think maybe they were just being oversensitive and hypochondriacs, but I've looked a little more closely at their situation, and I have to admit that things are not so great for them right now. Honestly, working for the Egyptians really hasn't turned out to be the piece of cake I thought it would be. So to remedy the situation, I originally thought about unionizing Israel and doing some kind of negotiation with the Pharaoh and Egyptian management. But after looking carefully at the Egyptian policies and procedures, it's clear that we are just not going to be able to reach an equitable contract with them. So here's my new plan. I found this great property over to the northeast. I'm calling it the Promised Land. It's got a nice ring to it, don't you think? Well, actually, it's property we've had a homestead claim on before, but I'm not sure the title's completely clear yet. That shouldn't be a problem. I know we can work it out later. It's kind of a long hike to this new place, but I'm convinced that even though it'll take a while to get there, the children of Israel have to get out of Egypt and we can start something completely new and different in the Promised Land. So Moses, what do you think? Do you like the idea? Moses said, Well, Lord, it sounds fine, but why are you telling me? I mean, I'm a shepherd. I know about sheep, but I don't know much about business or real estate or making travel plans for large groups of people. So, why are you telling me all of this? I'm so glad you ask, said God. You see, Moses, I need someone to go down and convince Pharaoh to let the people of Israel out of their present contract and allow them to leave Egypt right away. In addition, I need someone to lead the people of Israel to this new property, this promised land. And I know that you used to be chummy with Pharaoh when you lived in Egypt. You actually worked for him, didn't you? Well, that's not really important. I'm just convinced you're the right man for the job. Also, I'm a very good judge of character. Oh, my God, cried Moses. We've already established that, said God. No, said Moses. I don't just mean 
Oh my God. I mean, oh my God. No. No way. No how. No chance. Not and yet. Uh-uh. I can't do it. I beg your pardon. Do you know who you're talking to? Well, not exactly. But that really isn't the point. You see, I can't go back to Egypt. It's a long story, but I didn't exactly leave there under the best of circumstances, and I'm not one of Pharaoh's favorite people right now. So, I think you might want to consider someone else for this job. Besides, I stutter. God waited for a few seconds and then said, Let's get something straight here, Moses. First of all, this is much more of a directive than a request. But you do have the option of saying no. It really wouldn't be a wise choice. In fact, could be a very dangerous choice. But you do have the choice. Think about it carefully before you make a final decision. After all, you've got nothing to worry about. I'm going to go with you. I know you'll do the right thing. Great, Moses mumbled to himself. Me and the burning bush just stroll into Pharaoh's throne room and do a ventriloquist act just before we tell him we're going to make the Israelites disappear. This is going to go over big, really, really big. Excuse me, Mr. God, sir, said Moses, but supposing I do decide to take this job, and I'm not saying yes right now, by the way, but just in case I do, who do I tell Pharaoh I'm working for? Who do I say sent me to get the Israelites? God let out a long, exasperated sigh and then said, <sighs> Tell Pharaoh and everybody else that I sent you. Tell them I sent me? said Moses. I didn't send me. You sent me. Yes, that's what I said. I sent you. I didn't send me, said Moses. You stop it. Stop it right now, said God. I'm not doing this with anybody ever again. Tell anybody and everybody that I am sent you. I am is sending me. Yes, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am. That's my name. Got it? Got it, said Moses. You are I am. Right, said God. So are you in on this venture or not? And Moses said, I've got a couple more questions if that's okay. Go ahead. What now? So what if I go and pitch this proposal and everybody from the Israelites all the way down to Pharaoh just laughs at me and thinks I'm nuts? I mean, this burning bush trick is a pretty good attention getter, but I don't think it's going to convince them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob gave me this job and that they should pack up their stuff and get ready to roll out of Egypt while Pharaoh is just thrilled and excited about letting them go. No offense meant. So God said, Moses, pick up your shovel. Okay, said Moses, and he picked up the shovel that he was going to beat out the burning bush with. Now, said God, throw it on the ground. Moses replied, What? I just picked it up. Why do you want me to throw it back on the ground? Just throw it on the holy ground and don't give me attitude, said God in a less than patient tone of voice. Okay, okay, said Moses. You don't have to be so touchy. And he threw it on the ground. As soon as it hit the ground, the shovel turned into a big, scary-looking snake, and Moses, after screaming, Oh, my God!
like a 12-year-old girl, started to run for the hills. God stopped him in his tracks and turned him around. Then God said to Moses, Pick up the snake by the tail. Moses looked at the snake and then looked at the bush and said, Are you out of your holy mind? I'm not touching that thing. Just do it, said God. Trust me. So, Moses very slowly reached out his shaking hand and grabbed the snake by the tail. It immediately turned back into a shovel. Okay, said God. Take the shovel with you. And if anybody doesn't believe that I sent you and that I'm serious about making this transfer of people happen, then show them the shovel-to-snake thing we just did. Make no mistake about it, that was not a trick. And I have a bunch of other mind-changing experiences for anybody else who doesn't believe that I'm serious about the Hebrews out of Egypt. So Moses, I'm asking for the last time. Are you in on this venture or not? And Moses said, What can I say? I guess I am. No, wait, you're I am. I mean, yes, I'm in. Which is how Moses became the great deliverer, and how the liberation of the children of Israel from their bondage in Egypt came about, and how the exodus to the promised land began. Well, it's rubber hits the road, nitty-gritty spiritual insight time. What are you going to be when you grow up? That's a question children are often asked. Actually, it's a question a lot of adults are asked, too. When I was working as a school chaplain, I remember asking that question to both children and adults a lot. Once I asked a group of kindergartners, and I got mostly the stock answers. I'm going to be an astronaut a firefighter, a doctor, or a teacher. Almost every answer was a life path which would have required that child to become some kind of a leader. However, the best answer I ever heard was from one little girl who said, I'm going to be the boss. That caught me a little off guard, so I asked her why she wanted to be the boss. She replied, because my mommy is the boss, and nobody tells her what to do. She tells them what to do, and I like telling people what to do, too. That little girl had a firm grasp on what it is to be in charge, in control, and important. All of those qualities are necessary for true bossiness. Now, bossiness certainly isn't the best model for leadership, but for many people, it's the one they know best or the one they would like to employ if they were a leader. You see, bossiness requires a rather large measure of self-centeredness, while leadership requires a rather large measure of unselfishness, empathy, and care and concern for the people that are being led. One of the problems with leadership is that most people who desire to be leaders are probably the least well-equipped ones to actually lead. And those who are the most well-equipped for leadership aren't usually very interested in leading anyone. Great leaders seem to be those who reluctantly agree to open themselves to unexpected opportunities and possibilities. Those opportunities and possibilities invariably make life better for others who need guidance and direction. In fact, most leaders aren't necessarily qualified for the job when they start, but they're able to live into it and get it done. What all true leaders seem to share in common is the willingness to hear a call from the ultimate leader and to respond without considering salary, benefits, number of hours, vacation, or retirement. 
although as a rule the retirement plan is always outstanding. This kind of ultimate leadership call touches a place deep inside us all where love and overwhelming needs seem to meet. And this kind of call is always pretty difficult to ignore. So the next time you're looking in the mirror and asking yourself, what am I going to do when I grow up? You might just get an answer you would never expect. If that happens, just remember that it could be you just talking to yourself, or it could be someone trying to play a trick on you. But chances are, it's I calling you. No, no, not me calling you. It's the I, the great I, the great I am who is calling. So pay attention. Pay very close attention. Uh -huh.